Welcome everyone to episode 3 of the Tree of Geek, where we are going to get to the second half of our Spider-Man rankings. Now, last time you heard us, we did the first half. We did number 10 through number 6. Today, we'll be doing number 5 to number 1. We're going to see which Spider-Man reigns supreme and is the most amazing. Thanks for joining us. All right, let's get started. Moving on to number 5 on my list, I have Spider-Man 2. The sequel directed by Sam Raimi himself continues Peter Parker, played by Tobey Maguire. I was thinking Topher Grace. I can't get that. I can't get him out, Eric out of my head. I can't get the dance out of my head. Uh, he, he grapples with maintaining his personal life while facing the new threat of Dr. Octopus, played by Alfred Molina, the scientist who becomes a dangerous villain. Uh, the film also explores themes of responsibility and sacrifice. A very simple synopsis. If you haven't seen it, please go watch it because it is a very good movie. Unfortunately, I like some other ones better. That's why we're doing the rankings. Uh, some things I really love, though, is this movie, it, it does feel weird doing them out of order because I'm referring to things from the first one, but it dives much deeper into uh, Peter Parker's struggle of uh, being Spider-Man and just an ordinary person. But it also adds a lot of depth and re- relatability to the character because you see him trying to juggle essentially to work life and home life. It's hard serving pizzas, man. It's hard delivering pizzas. Shout out Domino's. I love you guys. Actually, I ate at that, uh, I can't remember what it's called now, but the pizza place he's working at in that movie. When I was in New York for a business trip recently, I went and I ate at that little restaurant. Nice. It's not a restaurant. It's like a little opening where you go into the counter, order like food, and leave. Kind of. Yeah, like a food bodega. I, I don't know what the terminology in NYC is. Yeah. I don't want to offend but anybody. It was, it was fantastic. I will say that the pizza there was amazing. How were the prices, seeing how this has been in a movie? They're like, oh, we've been in a Spider-Man. I'm gonna... I don't remember. Yeah, you know, okay. I don't remember. Yeah, you don't worry about money. <laughs> Pocket change. Per diem. <laughs> the action sequences in this movie, I thought, were some of the best uh, choreography in a superhero movie I had seen to date. That's like the train battle where they're fighting on the train, and then he has to stop the runaway train. Uh, and you get those iconic images of like the people carrying him through the train to lay him down because he's you know almost it, dead. It's such an iconic scene that in the amazing last Halloween movie they decided to recreate it and carry Michael Myers over atop all the people before they shredded his body into pieces. Wow! By the way, I, I'm not a huge fan of that movie. Uh, I, I also really like the uh, the clock tower fight where play for play. Yeah. Yes. No, uh, where they're they're fighting up on the towers, and you know he's got Aunt May, and it's just there's some really amazing scenes that really showcase his uh, his agility and his creativity during those fights that you don't see in the first one or in the third one for that matter. The movie's completely just lined with themes of you know taking responsibility. It, it continues to explore Peter and his his personal like dealing with things, uh, which is why he ends up losing his powers. Uh, because part of it is, you know, yeah, you could call it depression, anxiety, but a lot of it's also, like, inability to cope. So, basically, he had a psycho breakdown, a psychotic breakdown in a way. Well, not psychotic in anybody, but he had a psycho issue and couldn't perform. And I'm going to tell you guys right now, I when I, when I was looking back up on this, because it's been a while since I'd seen it, and I saw there on the internet that he loses his powers, I said... It scratched my head for me. I was like, you mean he lost his powers in that movie? <laughs> Briefly. Yeah. So I had, uh, I was like, wow. Um, and I had to read up why. And I go, oh, okay, it's it's all coming back to me now. But And that is why web shooters are better than organic shooters. Yeah. 
the film also has a, a really good balance of action and emotional moments. I, I feel like it really keeps the viewer connected with the characters. The, the biggest one that comes to mind is when he's sitting in the diner with MJ. They're having that connection, but then it's interrupted by a you know car coming through the front window. Which, again, we're talking about iconic scenes. That is one of the first things I think of when I think of Spider-Man 2. Oh, I agree. That, that and whole... I did remember that scene. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. Uh, what I didn't like, though, was uh, the, the pacing felt very slow when it was going through like the overall narrative of, oh, here's our relationship status, and here's anything not action-based. It felt like it drugged. But then anything that jumped into the actual let's fight, let's, you know, superhero-esque anything, it, it really felt like it was moving at a proper speed. I, I You could get into it. And it wasn't five-minute fight sequences. Like, they, they made them decently long. And they did that so that you could get into the moment. And then, of course, that being said, Mary Jane's arc, uh, you know, trying to get into her movie career, her acting career. Modeling. Or... Modeling. I mean, I just, I found it, her character even less engaging than I did in the first movie. Kirsten Dunst, I, I feel she looked the part for MJ. To an ex- I see your face. To an extent. You think he never read a Spider-Man comic? Yeah, I, I mean it's a redhead. That's that's really that's what you need, right? Sassy redhead. Oh, okay. You need a sassy redhead Which, tiger. And that's the other thing. She was she's too flat. I didn't feel there was any chemistry between the two during any of their romantic or not really romantic. I guess it was more like hey, love me, no scenes. It, it came across as very one-dimensional. Like there was nothing there. It was reading a script. Like somebody was standing behind Tobey Maguire with cue cards. Now, I went ahead and I, I just ripped, you know, poor Kirsten Dunst down to the ground. Let's turn around and build somebody up. Alfred Molina as Doc Ock? Wow. Money. I mean, it, he was, I, I mean, I looked uh, when I was doing my research. He's widely praised as one of the most complex, deep, and just all-around most likable villain of that uh, Spider-Man trilogy. Oh, of course. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. Willem Dafoe was pretty far up there. But, I mean, it's Alfred Molina. I mean, his portrayal was just perfect. And James yeah. Franco as Harry Osborn, horrible friend. Um, but I, I enjoyed watching his descent down his father's path of darkness and, you know, mental instability. Uh, I thought that was done wonderfully. I thought James Franco was a good pick for that. I also really like the fact that uh, watching his desire for revenge drive him, that was something that you can relate to as a human. That's a human emotion that you could relate to him as. And when he pulls the mask off towards the end, holding the dagger, and, you know, Peter's wrapped up in barbed wire, the look on his face of just pure betrayal. I don't know that we could have gotten a much better reaction from somebody that wasn't James Franco. For that role, I thought he was great. For the role of the Green Hob New Goblin... No, I didn't. I didn't. Is it Hobgoblin? I know Ned is supposed to become so, Hobgoblin, but it, I they they called the it Demogoblin, Hebogoblin. Well, there was a a new Goblin at one time. Originally, yeah, you know, was James DeHaan supposed to be? I'm thinking about this. Is he more of like a Jackal Goblin? I think he was supposed to be a Hobgoblin. I, I don't know what James Franco's was supposed to be. If he was a Hobgoblin, a new Goblin, or just like the new Green Goblin, I didn't care for it. Especially Spider-Man 3, I avoided bringing it up, but the snowboard aerial vehicle. The SX Tricky was very popular it, on the Xbox it, at that What time. was that? Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's my review of Spider-Man 2. All in all, I loved it, but 
it's not without its uh, severe pitfalls. I think it's a product of its time, as is my next pick. Two thousand four. Yeah, uh, my number five is Spider-Man One from two thousand two. Really? Yeah, number five. Directed by Sam Raimi, this film follows the original Peter Parker, Tobey Maguire, as he gains spider-like powers and becomes Spider-Man. He takes on the Green Goblin, played by Willem Dafoe, to save the New York City and balance... That's right, the New York City, not just any New York City. And he has to balance his life as a high school student and superhero, even though he's a high school student for like 15 minutes of that movie, it felt like. I mean, I put it at number five, so obviously I do enjoy this movie. What I like about it is I believe that this movie, along with X-Men at that time, are the movies that set the tone for what a good comic book movie could do. It brought amazement and wonder to the screen. It, like, brought things from the page onto the screen that I didn't really think you were going to get. I mean, there were some other ones around, but, like, this was... I admit, when I saw Spider-Man in the theater, I was like, wow, man, that was just... It was amazing when I walked out. Me and my buddy talked for hours about it. We liked it so much. Um, but that was that was 2002. That was a long time ago, and a lot of movies have, have come along since then. I, I did like the fight scenes. What you're talking about were, were very, very well done. I'm not going to like repeat a lot of what you said here. I'm just going to kind of echo it, you know, from that movie. I think it was just as good in this movie. I mean, I know Green Goblin kind of looked like he was from the Power Rangers, but I thought where he's throwing like the, the grenades at him, he's flipping around and things. I thought, like, you just kind of didn't really see that stuff in a movie before. I thought this was just a good Kickstarter to what Spider-Man movies could be, what superhero movies could be i tell you what I didn't like, though. The plot pacing of Peter going from high school to the real world so fast. Um, Kirsten Dunst reminds me, I thought about this as you were talking, she reminds me she's a good girl next door, which she did play in the movie. But as Mary Jane, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy their relationship. I could see him having a crush on her, but I can't see her ever getting with Tobey Maguire in that movie with Peter Parker. Um, there is some campiness to it. Macho Man Randy Savage is in there. The cafeteria hijinks where all the, the food falls right back onto the... The tray. The tray. Tray, yeah. yes. I kind of want to say trailer. I don't know why. But yeah, they fall... You know, they, do, 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 do. I, I thought it was a little bit too silly. That can happen. I mean, it could. There, There is that possibility. I mean, Tobey Maguire as Peter is okay. I mean, for the first movie, when I first saw him, though, I didn't really know who he was. I didn't really have an issue. More of my issues are with him and are in the later movies, but I think in the first one, he did a, a pretty well job. J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. You're not going to get a better J. Jonah Jameson. Like, he's just ingrained. That voice is there. He's an amazing actor. He was great on Oz. He's great in Invincible as Omni-Man. He, like, he's just been in so many good things, even before this show, and he, he really ripped into this role. I mean, when I talk about campiness and over the top, but I feel like he had the right 50-50 level on there. He knew when to throw it out there, when to pull it back a little bit. Willem Dafoe, he has a nice level crazy to him. I don't know if you there's a black and white mo- uh, movie with uh, the guy just played Batman, and there's a whole entire sequence where they're arguing with each other. Uh, Robert Pattinson, oh, the okay. White House, and he's just doing this this weird voice, and he's talking about his lobster, and they're fighting with each other. But you like me, lobster, don't you? And like the the emotion that Willem Dafoe brings to any role he's in, whether it's Boondock Saints or Speed Two. Like, he's just good in any role you put him in. And, yeah, yeah, he might. the Green Goblin did look a little bit silly, but for the time that it came out, I, I, he was perfect. And he, again, gets a little bit of a second shot in the future. Overall, I think it's a bricklayer of the foundation for modern comic book movies. 
It's not the best or the worst, but the importance of its success cannot be understated or forgotten. Some of the casting missteps hinder it for me, but overall, I think it's a fun flick, and I think it stands the test of time. Back to you, good buddy. So in the number four spot, I put The Amazing Spider-Man 2012, Andrew Garfield. I have to admit, first and foremost, I went into this movie very, very skeptical. I mean, we're coming, what, five, I think, years off of the end of the Sam Raimi trilogy. Do we really need another reboot? It was done very quickly, like right at, like... Well, I mean, you got to think about production time. That means they were probably working on that very quickly after the San Raimi movie even hit Yeah, theaters. it's not like Friday the 13th fast. Like, they used to turn those movies in the 80s, but it's still for, like, this type of movie. It's a quick turnaround. Oh, yeah. Very turnaround to reboot and restart something. Now, I did like the... I mean, it took a fresh take on the whole Spider-Man origin story. It still kept the classic, oh, he got bit by the spider at the lab. It kept... He's a photographer, and he's kind of geeky. Now, like I said... I had some issues with Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker. Hearing your rebuttal, I guess I'll give him some more credit than he deserves. Um, You're welcome, Andrew. You needed my help on this one. Yeah, he's he's going to be the first one to write in. You know that. I hope so. But I also feel like this movie took a very different direction from the Sam Raimi ones. Just in the idea of it, it left the very serious storytelling behind and it tried to take more of a relaxed, comic book fun approach to it. If that makes sense. Makes complete um, sense. Now, granted, we're well into the future. It's 2012 now. Well, what I say was 2002. Yeah, 2002 was the Spider-Man first... 1. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, we're a decade in. The visual effects have incredibly increased. Uh, I mean, every, especially, and you can really see it in the action sequences, but more in his web swinging scenes. It doesn't look green screen or anything. It doesn't even look that CGI. It actually, it looks really well done. The tone of the movie, they gave it more of a modern, relatable feel, kind of like an upbeat, hey, let's appeal to a younger audience type feel to it, which I did appreciate. It, Like I said, it made it more fun. But that also means that in order to have a more serious storyline, you've got to find a way to balance humor and dark. Like Venom, what can I say? They did it right. I did like that Peter Parker's Peter Parker's backstory was a little more flushed out. You know, instead of just, oh, he was bit by a spider, they did play it off a little bit as, hey, his parents left him with his aunt and uncle. Oh, here's a suitcase. You know, like, little, just little tidbits here and there that gave his his backstory of Peter Parker and his origin story just a little bit more depth that I, I really appreciated. But it was just so soon after Sam Raimi. I, I guess you could almost say I had trouble giving him my full attention because at the same the same time I'm enjoying the movie, I'm also looking at it from a uh, a comparison point of view. Well, it's the same as like the Fantastic Four. They turn out those two movies. Now, it was maybe a little bit different of a time frame, but mm-hmm. still, when you have these characters fresh in your mind, you're yeah. instantly like... It's like just imagine if Tony Stark died and say the very next Marvel well, movie that comes out this year or like next if, year, they're going to have another Tony Stark. It would be like if they rebooted Iron Man right now with a whole new character. Yeah, a whole new character, but if what if it was Tony Stark? Like, you'd well, be no, like, I well, mean, no, like, this sorry, is... Sorry, a new actor. If they brought a brand new Tony Stark, a new, fresh story, it would feel very awkward. Right. It'd be like going on a date with, you know, your ex-wife's sister. It's going to feel very weird. Well, I already have some pause. Uh, I think you already have. No, no, <laughs> no. No, uh, no, I already have some pause about some of the newer movies that are going to come. You know, I'm glad they have X-Men now, and I'm glad they're they're doing that in a weird way with Wolverine now. But, like, Fantastic Four, 
we're going to get that movie in the next two years. It's, oh, yeah. Supposedly. I'm just, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for it. Just a quick question. Who do you want to be Mr. Fantastic? Well, I think Krasinski is an amazing actor, but I'd have to get... I'll, let me think on that minute, because I've never... I don't know. I never really thought about it, because I'm not I a know, huge Fantastic Four fan, either. I know Multiverse of Madness. They gave us John Krasinski as, like, fan service. Oh, you wanted it. Here it is. I would love to see him playing Mr. Fantastic, and his real-life wife, Emily Blunt, I think would make a very good Sue Storm. Yeah, she would. She's a great actress, too. That's my personal input. Please, you know, take it to heart. I don't need royalties. Just make it happen. <laughs> uh, back to uh, Spider the amazing Man. Spider-Man. I, I, I also have an issue with, I felt like they just followed the same classic formula that most of the other superhero movies up till this point had already followed. Hey, you got somebody in your life that's, well, look at it as uh, Doc Ock that we just talked about. Peter Parker and a scientist, they're getting along. They're helping each other. Something happens. That scientist is now a bad guy. Do you see the you see the comparisons here, right? Well, I can definitely listen. There's a lot of superhero movies that have villain problems. Yes, yes. My biggest issue isn't even with that. My biggest issue is with Doctor Kurt Connors in general, the lizard. Why did he suddenly decide, like, okay, yes, I am going to experiment to grow my limb back? I get it. Yeah, I mean he. You know, doing a lot of testing, a lot of genetic testing. Yeah. He thought he could make it happen. So yeah, it's an awesome it's twist. Kind of, it's all it's like one yeah. of those things where you want to test things, but they're like, well, you can't really do this on humans. He's like, well, I just can't wait. I don't have an arm. Yeah. Well, you haven't had an arm for a while. Okay. I do like in the Spider-Man cartoon that he's like kind of buff and ripped, and then we have another skinny actor, which yeah. I just now thought of. Okay, so he wants to grow his arm back. I get it. Some uh, some bad side effects. Okay, I get it. I'm going to turn the whole city into lizards. What? <laughs> I, I sort of forgot about that plot point. Thanks for reminding <laughs> that he wanted to make everybody lizard-brained. I looked it up online, and some people were like, well, he wanted to try and make a world without imperfection where people could grow their limbs back. And someone else is like, no, he likes lizards. I love turtles. I'm not trying to turn the world into turtles, <laughs> into tortoises, you know? So please, let us know why he wanted to turn everything yeah, into I would like to know your theories on this. I know there was like hashtag was Thanos this... rice, but is there like a hashtag lizard was right? In another, <laughs> well, in a parallel universe, his plan succeeded, and that became the original Mario movie. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, you are a lucky, lucky soul. It sounds like a weird episode of Rick and Morty where everybody's <laughs> lizards. It does. So yeah, that's my biggest issue with the the villain in that movie. But then on the flip side, I, I thought Emma Stone's performance as Gwen Stacy was outstanding. I loved her as Gwen Stacy. I think she's an amazing actress. Uh, I think the chemistry between her and Andrew Garfield on set, like as uh, Gwen and Peter, was phenomenal. I thought you could totally believe that they were in a relationship. Sally Field as Aunt May, great choice. Not really in it as much as she could have been. Like she had a very minimal part, in my opinion. But speaking of minimal parts, we have Martin Sheen as Uncle Ben. It was neutral. I, I didn't under. I mean, yep, he had to die. I forgot that he played him. Oh, really? Yeah, it was that. It was that. He had to die. Me. I mean, that's just how it is for Spider-Man. But I, I really felt that they only got Martin Sheen because they wanted to put a big, well-known name on the poster. I, I didn't. He didn't do anything for me. Was he really selling a lot of movie tickets at this point? I mean, the last name Sheen. I mean, their Tiger's blood was running rampant. I think at this Look, time, the that man, was his... the man needed to help pay for his son's court fees. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, They're going to recast Tony Stark with Charlie Sheen. Oh, man. 
He's going to be the next redemption game. Well, they could, though. I mean, they could totally follow the plot of Tony Stark as a horrible alcoholic and drug addict. Yeah. Charlie be perfect. That That's a big thing I think they fumbled in, in the MCU. But... Well, they purposely kept away from that, I read. They, they wanted to keep it a little more on the family-friendly side. Iron Man 2 had a little bit of touch on the alcoholism, but they tried to keep away from it as a major plot point because... Well, they saw him as a, a role model. I want to be an alcoholic just like you. <laughs> if I drink liquor, I can build a suit. <laughs> In a cave with skirts. <laughs> spare scraps. Uh, and finally, uh, Dennis Leary. Detect- or not I, got, I got a few things. Captain Stacy. I love him as an actor. I thought he did gr- The acting was great. I just had a hard time believing uh, his role. I don't know. I really liked him in the part. But for some reason, he didn't click for me. What can I say? It's your take. It is. Yeah. What's your take on number four? Uh, the Amazing Spider-Man? Is that what you're asking about, number four? Yeah, are you number four? Yeah, it's number four. That's number four. So, well, then, we'll yeah, continue. So we'll just dive right back into it. I'm not going to give a synopsis, even though he skipped it. But Mark Webb was the director, which I always thought oh, was geez, awesome. Because it's Mark Webb, you know, Web Slingers, you know, we get all that. Um, I thought it was cool that, you know, he actually builds some... Because the first Spider-Man we only had was Tobey Maguire. You know, he shoots him out of wherever. Now you got a guy that can build him because he's smart. I kind of touched on this when we were talking about The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, Do you think Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker was smarter than Tobey Maguire's? Yes. I do. Now, he he may stumble over himself here and there, but I think if they did uh, SATs, that Garfield would come up with a bigger score. Speaking of Garfield, he's what I liked about this movie. I loved his charisma. I brought, or what he brought. Um, he wasn't too wimpy, but he was a bit awkward. His, I thought the skating was a nice touch. He, he felt like a street kid that belonged in, in New York City. I think this is my favorite Spider-Man suit, even up till now. I just like the way it was done. It, it seemed like it, it moved really well on him. Well, and on that, I will say, I, I really appreciate the older practical suits compared to like the newer CGI suits. I agree. There's just something about that practical suit that, and I will agree with you, Andrew Garfield's. There's just something about it that, that was always my favorite one. So, yeah, we agree on that yeah. for sure. Um, I think making Gwen his love interest in this one was refreshing. They're like, okay, we did MJ three times. Let's switch it up. I think the reason that that also works, and you touched on, you know, I feel like they could have dated. It's because after this movie, they dated for four years, Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield. And they still Wait, say they really? have, yeah, they still say that they love each other to this day, but they've been with different people obviously, for a while. But, yeah, they dated. Because of this movie, they dated for four years. That's amazing. So I, you could see that chemistry. I mean, that the Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst, where it was just not It felt there. forced. Like, it was stiff. Yeah, when they when these two look at each other, I'm like, wow, they, they want each other. They, they, they just they care, you know? What I didn't like, I mean, you've got to mention it here, is I didn't like messing with Peter's parents' past. I know you have to do some refreshing things. It's the whole Superman thing. You want a new Superman, want a new Superman. You change Superman, people get angry. But let's leave his parents alone. One reason they did it is maybe they were going towards a jackal spider clones thing where his parents are resurrected in the comics and it gets all weird. And maybe they were headed that direction. They were already hinting towards the Sinister Six thing. But I don't need a conspiracy theory in my comic book movies. Unless it's Winter Soldier, I don't need it. If I want that, I will watch Jack Ryan with John Krasinski in it, which just wrapped up. Great, great show. If you guys haven't watched it, go check that out. I haven't seen the last season yet. Um, some of the lighting and the coloring of the movie I, I felt were dark at times. So in some of the sequences with the lizard, uh, I had trouble following 
the movie. I do remember that. I feel like it was just kind of just overly dark. But it didn't really majorly ruin the movie for me. It's just... Like the scene when he builds the big web. Yeah, when they're in the sewers and yeah. doing things. It was kind of... Like, when all the lizards decide to come it's, through. It's hard to track with your eyes what's kind of going on. You know, I, I feel like I had a TV recently that we bought, and before we figured it out, like it was just so dark on our TV all the time. And we were watching shows that were taking place in space or at night, and we're like, man, we can't see anything. But I remember in the Spider-Man movie, it was sort of like that. I couldn't really see well. As far as the casting goes, I, I said it before, I liked Emma Stone and I liked Garfield. I thought they did well with each other. Dennis Leary, to me, breathes New York City. I've seen him in a few shows. You know, I liked his comedy back in the day. I thought it was refreshing to see him not just a plain asshole, but like for him to be a cop and do that at the same time. Like, that dynamic, I thought, was good. Um, Wasn't he in, like, a firefighter show? Yeah. Okay. It was in New York City. I can't remember the name off my head. As you were talking, I was trying to remember it. We'll just I just say Backdraft. Could... That'll work. <laughs> A lot of people don't like that movie. Don't I offend know, people. I, know, you know, I, know. I thought it was okay, but maybe I'm going to offend people. Um, Reese Eifens, I feel like he did what he could. I'm not sure he was perfect for that role. I think he's an act, more of a comedic actor uh, for me, but it, it was what it was. I think it was nice seeing a younger Sally Field, or a younger Aunt May, rather. I mean, she wasn't Marissa Tomei young, but she wasn't like, I can barely walk, help me, I've fallen. Yeah old either no offense to the elderly out there i love grandma they're cool but uh my issue with that was always it's his aunt which means they're the same age as his parents well i was about to say here unless they're you know well not the same age but within that you know what say five ten year ish yeah your aunt should be around the same age as your mom and dad you know and she i mean sally field could play it off i think that she was not super old but not like super like she was still Mm -hmm. Like, maybe Peter's mom was, like, the younger of five kids or something. I don't know. Right. But But it, I think it kind of worked there. Martin Sheen was a little bit older. Yeah. You know, but I think he's just aged differently. Um, but overall, but, you know, going back to this one, I forgot how much I actually liked it. You know, when I first initially did this ranking, it was down lower. But then after watching some scenes again and, and reading up on it, I was like, yeah, okay. It all started to come back to me, and I, I put it up a little bit higher. It kind of sucks that what they did with part two. I feel like they had a good foundation here and kind of ruined it a bit but at least garfield gets another shot so there is my overall take on that pick and now i appreciate we have three it. to go and it's your third all right well number three for me was spider-man homecoming okay well, we okay. finally got one different all right good yeah got a couple this, different this time i'll read the synopsis since i forgot for last time in spider-man homecoming this film is set in the marvel cinematic universe also known as the mcu it features Tom Holland as a younger Peter Parker, directed by John Watts. It showcases Peter's high school life, his mentorship by Tony Stark, also known as Iron Man, played by Robert Downey Jr., and his confrontation with the Vulture, played by the amazing Michael Batman. Keaton. Oh, oh yes. sorry. What? sorry. Yeah, Michael, Batman. Michael Batman Keaton. This is number three on my list. It holds a special place because... It was a totally new reboot of the Spider-Man franchise. Now, 2017, uh, when was Spider-Man 2? Let me look here real quick. 2014. Again, we had a very, very short window between one ending and one starting. But this time it was, I'd say, acceptable because we were going from Sony on one and Marvel on the other. Not Sony and Sony. Right. Sony didn't have all... That only had one hand or a couple fingers in here mm-hmm. or Kevin Feige kept slapping him back like, no, no, no. 
It was basically, let, let me do hey, this. we bought the rights to use him. Go sit in the corner. Right. We'll write you a check. Leave us alone. I, I love that it was part of the MCU uh, because it allowed for all those crossover moments. It allowed for, you know, Tony Stark to come in. You saw Happy Hogan. You literally never knew if you were going to see another character just randomly show up. And it added a certain level of, uh, of excitement and Easter egg hunting for some of the diehard fans. I'm trying to remember, in uh, Iron Man 2, there's a little kid at the convention wearing an Iron Man mask that one of the robots almost blow away. Yes, I've heard this theory. Well, I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember if I read it correctly, but I believe they confirmed, you know, canon, that that is Tom Holland's Peter Parker. I never read the confirmation if, or not. I, just I don't know if it was heard of it, officially but... confirmed, but I remember reading that. So if you know, please let us know in the comments below. We finally see him in high school for more than 10 minutes of a movie. I mean, not just, a, you know, like two classes? Yeah. And a lunch? Yes. Like, we actually get to see him in high school. We see him as what I, in my head, see as, like, the awkward, you know, social outcast. Not, like, full-blown outcast, but, like, you can tell he doesn't he know how to Michael interact. He has that Michael J. Foxness to him in this. Mm. Have you ever seen Teen Wolf? He's kind of got yeah. that. Where you look at him, like, well, he should be cool, but... He's kind of getting picked on. He doesn't know? know how to interact with people type of thing. Yeah. Yep, yep. I completely understand that. And it really, I like how the movie completely skips over the spider bite. The movie opens up, he's already Spider-Man. Well, a Spider-Man. Because his... Spider-Boy. Well, his first appearance was actually in Captain America Civil War. So the movie opens up with a little, like, cell phone documentary of, hey, I'm going to go do this in Germany. I did this in Germany. Okay, I'm back home. Now what do I do? No one's answering my calls. Well, I think at this point, we didn't need another origin, origin story. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. I and completely I think agree. That the MCU did, and hopefully they get back to it, but they kind of understood what fans want. They're not giving them everything they want, mm. but they understand, hey, if you piss us off enough, we're not going to go well, see your like movie. it's like Iron Man. At the time, nobody knew who he was. Like, fan-wise, yeah, some diehard comic fans. Most of the people who like, oh, I love Iron Man, they had no idea who he was before that movie came out. So they had to do an origin story. Believe it or not, Captain America was another one that wasn't as popular as people, you know, like to believe he was. At the time, Marvel's big hitters were Spider-Man and, and X-Men. And X-Men. I mean, that was really their big, their heavy hitters. Well, you put Spider-Man or Wolverine on the cover, you're going to sell some issues. That's just the way it was. Do you know Spider-Man almost didn't happen? Which one? Like in general. Oh. In general. Uh, I can't remember the name of the magazine that Stanley was originally writing for. It was like, you know, your classic, like, comic book style. Oh, you're style. talking way, way. Not the oh, movie. Yeah, you're talking, no, like, talking the character like itself. The character. At the time, he wanted to put this new character, Spider-Man, in. And the the publishers kept saying, no, nobody wants to read about a kid superhero. They want Superman. They right. want... Are we talking about timely comics? Like I think it might have been. But it was about to go out. Like, they were done. They weren't making money anymore. They are about to end it. And if I remember correctly, like, the next to last or the last issue that was released... He basically said, screw it. And he put his Spider-Man comic in. And it completely blew up. It's because he's the everyman. It's because he's completely covered head to toe. He can be white, black, red, purple, green. He can be a male, a female. Any religion doesn't matter. Like, yeah, you don't I, know. He he's is, just a guy beating up bad guys. He's a spider. That's what he is. It saved the uh, the Marvel startup as it was. I'm going to look into that, but that that's cool if that's... Yeah. It, yeah. I remember reading that in a, or seeing in a documentary about Stanley. I can't remember now, uh, but it stuck with me because it's. It was one of those like, oh, you know, the little guy saved the day type of thing. Right, Stanley. What can we say? Yeah, 
I mean, absolutely. And I love how Homecoming really focuses on Peter, his, his growth as a superhero, and like I said, not his origin, but him figuring this stuff out, being the classic rebellious teenager and getting yelled at by Daddy Tony. That being said, I also feel that the movie had an over-reliance on the MCU. Like, it's great, he's in it, okay, cool, he's part of this big, massive universe. They leaned very heavily into the MCU tie-ins. They leaned very heavily on Tony Stark showing up, which... I get it. He was part of, you know, getting Peter on his feet type of deal. It felt very forced in the sense of like, hey, we're going to use this to prepare our next movie. I don't know if they they focus as much on it as they could have instead of trying too hard to intertwine it into the overall uh, universe. Does that make sense? No, it makes complete sense. Uh, You know, at this point, they they got a big giant roadmap up on a wall somewhere. Yeah. And before this movie even hits the, the theaters and you get in the seats, they already know if this is successful, these are the four movies that are going to come from this is what we're going to tie it in. At this point, the MCU is like, they're churning and burning. Like they, they know what's going on. This isn't, let's tease a little bit of Thor and a little bit of Hulk and let's see if this works or not. They're like, we know Spider-Man is going to work. He was already in this movie. Let's keep rolling on. No, absolutely. Another issue I had was like, it didn't feel like the stakes were very high in this one. Yeah, okay, his love interest father is stealing alien stuff, and he's trying to make money, and he's trying to, you know, go up and rob the big shield airplane. But there wasn't any, like, major stakes like in the other movies. Like, oh, MJ could die. Oh, Gwen Stacy could or did die. Or Aunt May's in trouble. Like, this one was just, hey, I know who you are. Keep away from my daughter and don't stop me. That was the biggest stake in the movie. Well, don't worry. He fights aliens later on. (laughs) Which, freaking side note, the best scene in this whole movie is the realization on Michael Keaton's face that the kid in the backseat is Spider-Man. Well, the contrast of colors that they have in there, you know. I never took notice. Yeah, it's it's not like really blatant, but, you know, kind of like in the original Spider-Man where... You know, they're wearing different, you know, Spider-Man's wearing the goblin colors and vice versa. You can kind of see just like the lighting and the way like they contrast each other in a way. I don't know. It's it's hard to describe. You'll have to go back and see it. But it's yeah, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it. Being number three, I'll happily go back and rewatch it. Right. Yeah. We're, we're at rewatch territory here. This isn't. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, one thing I, I did. I do like is Ned. I'm sorry. But I feel like he, being that guy in the chair, is a really cool aspect that you don't see in the other Spider-Man movies. You don't see a partner. You you know, it's always, I have to protect my identity to protect the ones I love. And in this case, he's like, hey, I need help. Okay. And he still can't keep it together. That is true. He can't. I'm, I'm biting my tongue here. <laughs> Wanted to say some things. I know. That... Like when Ned's sitting in the uh, the computer lab trying to help him and the teacher walks in. What are you doing in here? <laughs> Look at it, porn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was a good touch. Uh, I, I, I felt the plot was a little predictable, but as a entry movie for the character, that was expected. Again, I, I said it already, Tom Holland is, in my opinion, one of the best Spider-Man and Peter Parker mixes. I think he plays both really, really well as a fresh Peter Parker. I guess Andrew Garfield would be more of the early teens Peter Parker I would see Tobey Maguire as, like, the well into his experience. The season. You know? yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, 
it just kind of no, plays out that way. Uh, Michael Keaton's portrayal of the Vulture, though, was over-the-top wonderful. As you would say, he did not phone it in. He was there. I thought he was absolutely probably one of the best acting. Uh, Keaton doesn't phone it in. No. I don't care what he's My saying. gosh, no. Uh, he was one of the best parts of the whole movie. Zendaya as MJ, which, not Mary Jane, we find out is Michelle. Still curious on how that works. Did they just change the name for fun? Or, you know, is it actually a different character? They're just trying to throw you off the scent. I know? think. I, I liked her, but I did, didn't did care for how in this movie she was like, instead of being the popular high school girl, she was more the edgy loner of, oh, I don't need anybody type. I don't know. It didn't play right with me at first, but going back now, they're doing something different, and, and I liked it. You gotta, you gotta freshen it up. Right. Like I said, the whole cast I thought was very well done. I liked that we didn't have to see Uncle Ben die for the 1300th time. Marisa Tomei, Tomei, Marisa Tomei, a younger version of Aunt May, more vibrant, more active. She was a spicy aunt. Yeah. She was, you know. I read, though, that when she played that part, she was actually in her, I think, late 40s already. Yeah, she's aged well. Yeah. Uh, But in all in all, it was really refreshing not seeing another, no offense to the older one, not seeing another older Aunt May. Well, it's like when I lived younger... with my grandmother, I had my Aunt Jan, but she was the sister of my grandmother. So well, she's yeah. like, you're great, but you don't ever say, oh, my great aunt. But you see, it's you like, know? oh, younger Peter, younger aunt. I, I loved it. That is one of my favorite movies. Well, it was, well obviously, it's it top three. Top three, yeah. My top three has three to go, in case you're doing the math. But at number three is <laughs> Spider-Man 2, uh, the sequel by Sam Raimi. Or, as we've talked about before, has Dr. Octopus and things like that. I won't go into a lot of detail here because I feel like we're really close on the feeling of this. But quickly, my likes of this movie were the action and fight scenes, especially the train scene. I mean, it's one of the most iconic scenes to this day in in, uh, any comic book movie. I feel like this movie turns up the dial in action for one part in just the right amount while lowering the campness level in another part. Like, it amped up one's action, but lowered the campiness. There's no more Macho Man type stuff in here. The CGI with the tentacles, everything that they did with Dr. Octopus, I thought, was very well done. They really kind of pushed the envelope a little bit with the CGI for the time. Definitely stands up. I feel like in the newer movie, they they kind of did like the same stuff again. It didn't feel like they had to reinvent the wheel. It was still the same stuff, which was awesome. I did like Harry's descent into badness and his father issues. I thought that that was done well. I just wish it would have been a different actor. I mean, I think he did great, but, you know, every time you watch these movies sometimes, you, you see some of these actors and you go, ooh, like I said, it have been somebody else, but he great, did it well. Great as Harry, not as great as the Goblin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, the descent was good. Now him, the yeah. flight, the takeoff was... The snowboard? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it was a little bit silly. So I, I kind of guess that bleeds into the dislikes. Um, I didn't like most of the scenes with Peter and MJ. That kind of irritated me, you know, because they just don't have chemistry to me. The hairy stuff kind of stumbled at the end. The psychological loss of his powers, I kind of even forgot it happened, so it wasn't even that much of an impact for me. I feel like the cartoon where he, like, sprouts all the arms was more memorable to me <laughs> than this movie, and I know I seem like I'm crapping on it, but it's at number three. You know, these are, like, kind of small things. Because the stuff with Dr. Octopus is so big. And Alfred Molina owns every scene he's in so much, it kind of lessens all of the irritation I have for some of the other parts. I kind of just forget that they even happen. 
because I remember so much of the great sequences. They just overshadow the bad parts a lot. And overall, I think it's a good sequel to the first movie that raises the stakes and ante in all respects. It uh, shows what you can do to not only make a good sequel, but a good comic book movie sequel, which a lot of comic book movie sequels have issues with. Um, it's still fun to watch, and the action stands up today. Alfred Molina brings a lot to the film, and he carries it on his tentacles. We'll go with that. And that was my number three. We're heading into the top two. So number two on my list, we're looking at Spider-Man 2002. The first of the Sam Raimi series. Let me explain. Hey, listen. Before you even go, I had it kind of here, but I moved it down. So, so I understand it's a cheesy movie. I understand there's plenty wrong with it. We already touched on the chemistry, isn't there, between uh, Peter and MJ. James Franco isn't the greatest choice for the uh, the Harry Osborn role. And he's a pretty crappy friend in the movie, if I might say so. Cliff Robertson, great as Ben Parker. I remember that his death on the street really kind it's of... It's the best, best Ben death. It is. It is. I, mean, it, I felt something cool. when I watched that. Yes, I did. thank I you. It had some impact to it. I, I mean, he goes, the wrestling, he doesn't get paid. Oh, I don't see how Not that's my, my problem. problem. And then his uncle gets killed. And then he hunts down the wrong persons. But it's just, the whole the whole way that that thing played out was amazing. Uh, Rosemary Harris is Aunt May. I th- we already said it. I mean, she's outstanding as Aunt May. She's that sweet old woman. She played a, a great, terrified Aunt May when the wall blows off of her house. Oh, the hair blowing. <laughs> the silver hair blowing in the wind. Yeah. So all of that said, though, this was possibly my first real exposure to a superhero movie. That wasn't Batman or Superman at the time. I'm trying to think. I don't think the X-Men were out yet. X-Men might have been. It's either right before or right after it. Well, you keep talking. I'll Google it. Okay. I'll Google it. But I remember, like, I, yeah, I watched the Batmans growing up. I saw the old Supermans growing up. I The cartoons. Okay, great. This is one of the first superhero movies. X-Men 2000. So it did come out first. Yes, X-Men okay. was first. But I remember I didn't see it first. I can tell you that. Uh, this was one of the movies that really sparked my interest into, oh, there's other people other than Batman and Superman. I think this is what really kind of snowballed me more into the Marvel Universe. Because growing up, that's what I collected. Batman. I collected Green Lantern. I so collect... you were a DC guy growing up. Absolutely. Like the Flash. Interesting how we're dissimilar. I was a Marvel guy. I got the Marvel handbook first. Dove me into Marvel. Yeah. You were a DC guy. See, I grew up with Batman, Superman, the Flash. They were my go-tos. I didn't really understand at the time, I guess, that there were totally different, well, companies. And it's not just Marvel and DC. There's Black Horse. There's... Image, Top yeah, Cow. I mean, there's so many out there. There's, there's some incredible gems out there that, like, most people don't even... Maybe we'll do that sometime. Like Best comics of we'll companies it, that are no longer around. We'll call it the indie movies of comics. We'll find the... Oh, indie movies. The, the, no, I mean, like, the deep-cut comics that most people have never even heard of. Okay, I thought we were going to talk about Tom McFarlane's Spawn movie, but... <laughs> okay. That doesn't exist. Actually, you know what? That does exist. Green Lantern with Ryan Reynolds. That doesn't, doesn't exist. Now we have to do some of these, because I feel like I we know. have some different opinions. <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah. We're talking about Spider-Man today, so... Side note, I did like Ryan Reynolds' movie... I just hated the CGI, but at the time, I mean, it's what we had. But anyways, yeah, so this is one of my first major exposures to, to the superhero realm that was outside of DC. 
So it holds a really special place in my heart, I think, because it was not a dude flying around, and it wasn't so dark that I could barely see the screen, which all the old Tim Burton Batmans absolutely were. Well, Tim Burton and, you know, all of those. You know what I mean? Up through, like, Val Kilmer and George Clooney. You know, the bat nipples and all. Schumacher. Yeah. Oh, Schumacher. And this movie, it really played heavily on the human emotion aspect of storytelling. Okay, here's Peter. Here's his choices. And it wasn't just, oh, I made choices. I'm going to go and be a superhero. It's he had to live with his choices. Again, it, it really drives it home when you see Uncle Ben die. Oh, okay, he got shot, he'll be fine. Nope, he's dead. Like, you you watch as, as Aunt May struggles with this. You watch as Peter goes through grief and he hunts down who he thinks is the killer. Like, it, it really, it, it plays on the deep-rooted uh, psychological aspect that everybody has of losing somebody. And I think it's one of the reasons it stuck with me as such a fantastic movie is it makes you feel makes you care that's why i said earlier the foundations of x-men and spider-man bring emotions to the table i mean i'm not saying there's no emotions in any other comic movie the the x-men trilogy the original i'm just talking about the very first x-men that came out and then this spider-man movie comes out you know the very ending of the x-men movie with wolverine and rogue like you feel that you know the music behind it and in this movie here you feel it it's not just some Mm. over-the-top craziness like it has stakes. Or, like, as much as it's hated when Wolverine has to take down Jean Grey, even though he's madly in love with her. Yeah, and he has to he has to stab her. But he has to. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, for me, though, like, this was one of the first times I really saw that. Like, you get Batman's parents being killed in a real brief sequence in the beginning of the movie. But this was the first time, like, you watch last words well, being said. Like, Do you ever see, like, Bruce Wayne? Like, look at a picture of his parents and tear up or even show emotion. No, he's a concrete wall. Once. Right? Which one was it? The Flashpoint graphic novel. Okay. That doesn't yeah. count. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, on screen, no. But, like, Peter, you know, he's hurt from yeah. it. He's crushed by it. You know, this shows yeah. that you can make an emotional comic book movie that's going to still be fun. You can combine those elements together. Absolutely. If it wasn't for those two movies, we would not be watching the movies we watch today. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but then this movie also gave us so many iconic moments, I mean, despite its cheesiness, like the upside-down kiss with Mary Jane. I, I have seen so many, like, fan paintings of it, and, like... There's well, a lot of comedy parodies. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> there was one where they were doing it, and they actually played it off the true story that, I guess, water was running up into his nose, and he couldn't breathe. But there was a parody of it where, like, he goes to kiss her and then just drops down to the ground dead because he drowned. <laughs> I, I hate picking it apart, though, because it's such a great movie in my eyes. But, like, the dialogue of it, I understand they were trying to keep it simple, almost comic book-esque. A lot of it felt like it was overly simplified. Like, there was no depth to the conversations at all. I don't know how much Sam Raimi had to do with the actual writing, but I've seen some Sam Raimi movies, and I think he's a great director. But I don't know how well he is with directing dialogue. I've seen okay. a few movies where I'm... I feel like it's simple dialogue. Gotcha. So I mean, that's it for me with Spider-Man. I mean, all in all, I, I still, I will still sit down and watch it. Like if I catch it on TV, it's still, again, my number two, one of my favorite movies. Awesome. Awesome. It's a good pick. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know you know that I know that you know. Um, number two for me is Spider-Man Homecoming. 
again, we don't need to go really in deep in the last two picks here. I mean, we've already, I, I think we got about the same things here, just in some different orders. Um, but I'll quickly go through my likes and whatnot. And what I liked about this one, um, I liked skipping the origin story. I thought that was freshing. We didn't need to see it again. Keeping Peter in high school for a couple minutes, I thought was nice. It shows his connection to to New York um, with him going to the bodegas and all throughout the neighborhood. I thought that was really good. He has a relationship with the people live there. It felt organic. It felt lived in. It didn't feel like a studio uh, set piece to me, just like a back lot somewhere. I liked having... I, I did like having Peter do stupid teenage things that makes more sense when you're a teenager to do than like when you're an adult and you won't make those dumb decisions. You just, cause your brain's not developed right. And you just, you're impulsive and you make stupid things. And you know, that's why he's relying on Tony and he, he needs people around him to, to tell him what to do. And he, I thought that was done well. And so he had obviously has some parental issues, some father issues, which is I think why I really liked the vulture stuff with him, especially in the car. But there's also kind of a sense there that maybe if this guy wasn't a bad dude, he could have sort of been a father figure to uh, Peter, which is kind of what they did in the other Spider-Man movies with Green Goblin. I think Vulture's reasoning is more organic. He just, he wants money and he wants what he's due and he's a hardworking man. I don't know a lot about the character in the comics, except for he's a bald, crazy looking dude. But I thought Michael Keaton brought everything he needed to, to this. I do like the very end scene between him and Peter where they're fighting and Peter just won't quit. Like, he's just like, just stop, kid. Just not, like, and Peter's just like, no, man. Like, he doesn't have the techno suit or nothing. Like, he's just not going to stop. Like, he just, he's showing an awkward attitude. And I think Toby McGuire didn't really have that ruffled, rough and tumbleness to him that I think Tom Holland brought to this scene. And I also really loved how when he is fighting Adrian, the vulture, there's a scene where he literally yells out, like, I'm just trying to save you. Like, he's not trying to fight him because, oh, it's the right thing to do. He realizes, like, dude, your suit's broken. Listen to me. Yeah. He won't give up, but he also just has this, he still holds that innocence to him. Right. I mean, I read somewhere that Garfield, when he took the role of Spider-Man, he was he decided he was going to, he got. I don't know if he bought spiders or something, but he did a lot of, like, research on spiders and something so that, like, in those movies, he, like, he wanted to study the movements of spiders. So it looked organic. And I think that was great. But the athleticism of Tom Holland that he actually brings to Spider-Man. Have you ever seen some of um, like the stuff that he sent in when he was you know campaigning yeah. for the role? Like the guy really can jump around and move. Like yeah. Uncharted may not be a great movie, but he brings a lot of athleticism to that role that he does here as well. I liked it. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, I never played the games, but it was all right. It was a basic adventure story. Um, what I didn't like about this movie was Tony's a little bit unlikable. He was kind of like really mean mm-hmm. to, to Peter. I don't know, maybe he was on the bottle during this movie. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's why we didn't see Tony a lot. A little bit too much Happy Hogan for me. I mean, he's he's okay. John Favreau's a good actor and all. Good director, but I, I didn't need him as much in this movie. And some of Vulture's minions, the guys that were with him, the Scorpion, I, I was really irritated at what they did with Scorpion. They need to recast that or do something different. I don't like that at all. You mean the little, like... He got the scorpion tattoo on his neck. Yeah, like, he gets caught at the van deal or whatever. Yeah, and he's on the ferry. and. Or, yeah. 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 Um, and it was in prison at the end. It was good seeing uh, Childish Gambino up in here, you know, kind of a cameo. You know, is he Prowler, is he not Prowler? You know, I thought that was yeah. cool. Versa Tomei, 
uh, being the actual appropriate age of an ant, like the real appropriate age of an ant, I thought was really nice. Michael Keaton never phones it in. Definitely like cranked it up in this movie. I think he's just chewing up the scenery and everything he's in. Uh, overall, if not for the jam-packed uh, sequel to this, it'd be my number one, but it's not. So I think it hits every single note of action comedy in raw motion that it needs to. I think it really does. And it's definitely rewatchable. I think oh, it's one yeah. of the best rewatchable ones. And so that's my number two. I got one to go. So I think we're in agreement then. Number one, Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, I, I do agree that that's number one. I don't have any secret Spider-Man movies that I don't know about. I'll give you the synopsis. You don't have that, you the go. Japanese one where he runs around with a machine gun shooting people? <laughs> no, I do not. I, I don't. Um, so Spider-Man No Way From Home uh, picks up immediately after the events of Spider-Man Far Away From Home. Peter deals with the identity being released to the world and seeks help from Doctor Strange, played by Benjamin, or not Benjamin, Benedict Cumberbatch. After a spell goes awry, the strange British word they use all the time in some of these things. Awry. Awry. It's not awry. I've been saying it wrong for 30-something years. It's awry. <laughs> so that like, explains it. If you say something that goes awry, it means it went, like, off oh. track. It, I it, never it... say that, though, like, ever. <laughs> All right, well, this ball goes awry, and Peter is joined by former Spider-Man actors Tommy McGuire and Andrew Garfield to face off against other enemies, like the Green Goblin, Doc Ock, Sandman, Lizard, Electro, and maybe others. I'd have to scroll down there. So there's your synopsis, and uh, why is it number one for you, Josh? So, let me just, uh, I'll be blunt. Yes, this movie, to anybody who's going to complain about it, it was absolutely fan service. But it was also a great movie. I'm happy it was a fan service. And here, let me tell you why. Uh, let's just start with the villains. I mean, if you look at it, obviously, they brought in a villain from each of the movies. You had Willem Dafoe returning as uh, Green Goblin. You had... Uh, Alfred Molina's Doctor Octopus, you. Sandman by Hayden Church, Lizard by Reese Ifens, and Electro was Jamie Foxx. Right. And I feel like they gave every one of them a chance to completely redeem their character. Now, granted, I mean, Doc Ock and uh, Green Goblin didn't need redeemed. They were just... Well, they redeemed it by tossing that damn helmet off. Wow. They left that in the alleyway. He's like, yeah, that's too heavy. Yeah, true. <laughs> Ditch that. But, like, Sandman. They, they brought him in, and instead of trying to fight him or, you know, get him wet, they <laughs> they tried to help him. I, I loved how, yes, I, spoiler, the climax of the movie, instead of just trying to, like, beat the bad guy, they're trying to help the bad guy. Well, that we said it in the last movie, or you did, this Spider-Man wants to help people. He doesn't yes. want to just win. He doesn't yes. want to just lock somebody up. He wants to help them. It's, that's the scientist that I think this movie as well brings in that the like original they, they movies wanna, didn't do. They want to change Sandman back into just being a dude, not a sand creature. They want to give Doc Ock, you know, a new chip to control the arms that are pretty much fused to his body at this point. Right. Uh, I mean, they want to, they're trying to do a serum to help Green Goblin lose this Dexter-esque dark passenger that's telling him what to do. I mean, and I loved how in the movie, Willem Dafoe, you could see that he's still a terrified little human being being controlled by this dark, Green Goblin entity. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there, there's still, obviously, two personalities at play here. The Lizard, I, I felt that he was he had very little screen time. A little short-changed there. Yeah. I know I should go after you, but I'm going to kind of add in with you here. But no, yeah, that's yeah. Fine. yeah, a little short-changed. Um, I think the Lizard was the one that, that got dropped. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and then filling the last of the villain roster in, I thought Jamie Foxx as this version of Electro was great. 
I, I liked it. I liked the design. I they let Jamie Foxx be Jamie Foxx. Yes, exactly. That's exactly it. I, I mean, that alone in this movie, I thought having that cast, okay, normally, oh, we have too many cooks in the kitchen again. It's going to get screwed up. It was very well balanced with the exception of Lizard. Right. I mean, I'm pretty, he does, correct me, it has been a cult man since I've seen it, but he is jumping around on the on the statue yeah. like he is there chomping yeah. away with his lizard brain not thinking right you know yeah yeah, yeah that's exactly. about all i really remember i remember him being in a cell and i remember him jumping around on and the, he was in the back the of the rafters. van when they went up to the apartment to try and work on these cures well originally when just tom holland was trying to work on the cures they didn't take him up because he might cause a stir ah and then I think it was, like, reporters or police or somebody showed up. I can't remember exactly. And he just, like, snapped and burst out of the van. and Like an animal. All hell broke loose. Okay. It's, it's slowly coming back. Uh, the, the visual effects throughout the movie from oh, Doctor, top-notch. Doctor Strange to, I mean, everything about it was just so clean cut. Like, I cannot, normally I could pick out something effects-wise I didn't like. You could tell they put their top people in this. Right. And they paid them what they were deserving. I hope they did. I hope. Yeah, I do. There's some guy listening going, wait, wait a minute. I'm still <laughs> waiting on that check, homie. Pay the guy. Oh, come yeah. on, Marvel. Pay the guy. Uh, the plot, I felt, was very unique. I mean, yes, it's been done, but at the same time, it hasn't. Well, there was a couple different elements being thrown in here. The Doctor Strange yeah. thing, if they would have done it without Doctor Strange, I felt like it, it probably would have been a little bit more plain. Yeah. But he... But, been, he, he brought a little bit he's put a little spell work into this to give it some some jazz you know what I mean I hate jazz but give, yeah. give it some guitar riffs how about that yeah I, I, I like it yeah um, and then uh, we have to uh, we can't avoid it the, the the biggest elephant in the room is the return of Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield right I mean not very good uh, keeping this a secret. You know, these guys lying on talk shows. Andrew's like, I'm not in this, man. It's not me. I'm not that. You're there, bud. We know you're there. Well, I don't think Toby McGuire really did many interviews. I, I don't remember seeing him. He's not really in the public light a lot that I ever know. I never see him on TMZ. <laughs> so that, there you go. <laughs> my my only issue with that was when they find Peter on the road. Uh, Tom Holland on the roof, and they're trying to talk to him, and he looks up, and he sees a silhouette of two more Spider-Men. Dude, a week ago, you were dealing with Mysterio, and you're just gonna, oh, okay, let me join forces with these guys. He does just kind of buy it. He, He's a young kid. I'm telling you, he makes dumb decisions. I'm telling you, He's though, still like, young. I feel like he'd have been like, okay, so you roll a second, like, no. There's something not right here. That's two more of me that don't look like me. Yeah. Uh, I just I have a hard time with the fact that he's just like okay let's team up. I think that's that's just the young immaturity that they they brought to this role uh, for him and yeah. Um, I did like Ned finding his uh, hidden powers. Yeah, at least they gave this kid something to do other than type on some keys and, and just solve and build the Death techno Star problems. Like I don't. Why is it that Peter Parker is supposed to be a super smart dude? But he needs a techno wizard with him, and he needs a techno suit. He needs all these things. Because well, he's still a high schooler. He's not super smart yet. He's just super smart. Mm-hmm. He's not a genius yet. No. 
just just pre genius. Okay. I, I did. I do have to say, I love the uh, the banter that went back and forth between the three heaters, like especially in the lab and up on the statue and stuff. And they're they're just you are amazing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, like when Spider Man Two, when uh, Tobey Maguire falls, and oh my back, and then he's like, hey, can you crack my back? <laughs> and it's just like, oh man, I wonder how many people caught that. Yeah, I, I will say I did. Tommy Maguire got redeemed in this movie for me. I th- oh yeah, I, I liked him in the original. The other two, I was like, eh. But I felt like this was a, a seasoned veteran. To, he wasn't. Yeah, oh absolutely. Brooding too much. He wasn't dancing. <laughs> he was well, just. He didn't he go felt... running through the portal. Hey, rip my mask off like Andrew Garfield. He's just cautiously. Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man has energy to him. Like he's always well, just he does. He bouncing does. off the walls again. But I just love how like Tobey Maguire just kind of like slowly came through the portal. Like, hey, what's up? And then they they talk about oh Spider-Man. He's like, well, I mean, that you know, just telling people kind of defeats the purpose of a secret identity. Right. Like, yeah, you're right. Like you can tell. Well, he's he, been doing he, this a while. Yeah. Well, he sees what happens when people find out. You know, you get your, yeah. your, your grandma aunt dragged up on a clock tower. Yeah. <laughs> like, there was a, I did I do remember hearing a, a brief part where he says well him and MJ yeah we worked it out so yeah maybe they did get together yeah, happy for them yeah good good to go guy now so, did you see this one in theaters no oh man no you, you waited till home video no wait 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 hmm. now I did see this one I did see this one I did not see the previous one in theaters I think I might have saw Homecoming. Okay, I don't so. go to the theater very often anymore. It's super expensive, mm-hmm. and where we live, you know where you got to drive to go to go to a good theater. Yeah, you got to drive a good 35, 40 minutes to get to a theater yeah. that you don't stick to the ground. Right. I'm doing it wrong. I love our little podunk home theater here in our town. It's just well past the point of dated, and nobody's really doing much to fix that. No. no uh, but, the guy just owned it recently, kind of. Yeah, but I, I remember going to see No Way Home in theaters. I remember, like, when they, they showed Andrew Garfield, people cheered. When they showed Tobey Maguire, people cheered. Like, yeah, I did see it live. I remember now. Like, little yeah, things like sure. that. Like, it really, it's like, oh, man, I'm not the only one that is so excited to be geeking out right now. Well, I mean, there was rumors that they were there and they couldn't, you know, hide the secret. But but still watching, you're, like, halfway through the movie and you're like, well, maybe they aren't showing up. Yep. Maybe maybe they were telling the truth. They're, they're not well, here. It was like, or maybe it's going to be an end credit scene and we're all gonna be angry well it was right after you know everything goes awry and it's Ari. he's lying to you folks <laughs> and all the I villains speak American. escape and aunt may spoiler dies it was like right after that i believe is when they they did the scene where they introduced you know toby and andrew and you're sitting there like like we passed the threshold of no return like where are they you know all this shit just hit the fan hard right they should have been here by now. And then when, honestly, I was in the same boat. I'm starting to think, like, well, maybe they're not we in got duped. And then now they are. Well, and the, them showing up made sense. And it actually, they, when they showed up made sense. And why they actually brought them in to show this Peter, hey, we've been down this road before. We know what this is like. You know, we could... You know, we, we could have done these things, too. We chose not to. Like, let's... We can't let this Spider-Man fall kind of from grace as well, in a way. Towards the end, when he's getting ready to just drive the uh, the glider right through Willem Dafoe. 
you know, right there's Tobey Maguire stopping him, just like, no, man, come on, don't do it. That that was one of the big reasons he kind of redeemed himself. Like the acting, I think like Tommy McGuire's like I, this is probably my last shot at Spider Man, and I've probably heard the criticisms, and I'm I'm gonna amp it up here. I'm gonna oh, and I think him and Andrew Garfield both redeemed themselves a hundred percent. Yeah, like and Garfield whet everybody's appetite for another one. They're like, let's get all this stuff going on with the multiverse right yeah. now. Let's bring him back again, especially Absolutely. with the Spider Verse movies going on. You know, the Deadpool type stuff, the TVA and Loki. They're like, there's got to be a it way to bring this. Yes, yeah. it can definitely. If you can bring in Lego Spider-Man, <laughs> <laughs> who's one of the best Asians, by the way, uh, then you can bring back Garfield another time. For sure. If you have no idea what we're talking about, in the new Across the Spider-Verse animated movie, yeah, Lego Spider-Man makes an appearance. And yes. it's it's actually pretty great. Yeah, and he's told he's one of the best. You're one of our best. Yeah. <laughs> Boop. <laughs> uh, so let me ask you, what do you feel is probably your favorite or even just the most memorable part of this movie? Being your favorite of the franchise. Franchises. Franchisees? <laughs> uh, well, I would say my favorite part of this particular film would be the, the end sequence. Like the big battle, yeah, the big battle. Um, not so much everybody jumping around, but the emotion that was in it. Mm. I feel all three Spider Man were just doing certain things storyline wise to bring them full circle from their other stuff, and I, I could feel it as I was watching it going to culminate. And I was really hoping they weren't going to drop the ball, and they didn't. Yeah. I was like, man, they're really pointing us in a certain direction here. I feel like they should all get their their period point at the end of this to say, bam, we did it. And they did. They did. Oh, they did. Um, and I I think one of the, it's not my favorite part of the movie, but one of the biggest, as you said, like, well, even just like redemption style, it was when MJ falls and Andrew Garfield gets his second chance and at saving somebody. Smile and... And, and I'm I mean, I'm not gonna lie, my heart like stopped. Well, when this is I'm happening, you like, don't know where he's at. Like, where is it? Like, you're like, oh crap, here's another death. I'm just like, oh, oh man, tell me it's gonna happen again. It can't happen again. Is it gonna happen again? Anybody could die from that height. And, well, and then, like, he gets her to the ground. He's like, are you okay? And she's just like, yeah. But as the audience, we're like, dude, my heart just shattered. Like, you yeah. know what he's feeling right now. There's a there's like fan service, but then there's let's fix some stuff yes. because the fan wants us to. Well, and it wasn't even fix it. It was let's help him get closure on something that happened. That's what I mean. I okay. mean I'm not saying the, the movie screwed it up when she did die. I'm saying let, right. let's fix his emotional wound. Like a oh let's no, I need, I lost mine. I got to save her his type yeah. of thing. Like uh, my favorite scene in that whole movie. It's in the apartment before everything goes crazy. It's when the the audio starts to like I don't know how to explain it, but like cloud, where like you hear people talking. It slowly starts. The volume goes down to the point where it's almost silent because Tom Holland's spider sense is kicking in and he realizes the Green Goblin is back, but he doesn't know what it is. He just knows something is horribly wrong. And then he goes into the room and 
you know, there he is. Well, he's something of a scientist himself. Yes. I, I mean, it just, oh, dude, it was like. Yeah, the death of Aunt May in here. Heart punch. This poor, I mean, this Peter Parker's been through it. Like, he, his parents, yeah. who knows what happened to them in these this movie, car accident, I don't know if they ever explained it. His parents it. are the ones that shot down the other parents in the airplane. <laughs> So his parents, we don't know what happened to him. His uncle Ben is supposedly died. We don't really, they never really cover that. He went either. to get the milk. He never came back. <laughs> back of smokes. <laughs> um, but then, so parents, Uncle Ben. Now she's dead. Tony Stark dies before that. Then he's got to give up everybody. You know, I, I was gonna. You know, my overall here was that I feel like this is a great conclusion to the Spider-Man trilogy that brought it all together, all the franchisees together, and then blew it up. Only to hit the reset button. Yeah. There's everybody. a lot going on here, but not overwhelming. Yeah. Well, and then, like you said, the reset button. Like, yeah, make everybody forget me, period. That includes all the Avengers. That includes Edith, which I was reading online is a theory of why he never got another smart suit. He doesn't have clearance. He's not in Tony's system for it anymore. That would make sense. That's why he, did, he didn't get to graduate, and he has a GED book at the end. What movie was it recently just popped out where somebody hinted at Spider-Man and somebody knew, or hinted that they knew? What movies have come out past oh, this? And I know in, what you mean. In the Spider-Verse movie, obviously, they go, uh, they oh, Doctor say, Strange and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, no, they say something about, uh, like, working with Spider-Man, but they never actually say they know who he is. They just, they know wow. of him. Okay. But is it the, the Doctor Strange movie? Well, at the end of, uh, maybe. I don't think so, though. But at the end of, this Spider-Man, when he sees Happy at the Grave, like, oh, how did you know? Or he says, you know, through Spider-Man. Well, Peter says it, but... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a great movie. There's a reason it's number one. There's oh, a reason... Absolutely. Honorable know, mention, been... we get freaking Matt Murdock back as a lawyer. Oh, yes. It, it was like five minutes, but it was it was great. Right. Catching and... the brick as it flies through the window before Peter. It's right them laying the bricks for the future of the MCU. I mean, yep. fighting them know what they're doing. I oh mean, yeah, they've gotten a little sloppy, but they still know what they're doing. They'll they'll fix it. I hope. No, yeah. I I agree. I I, mean, I think we have a a pretty solid list, and I'm very happy with the uh, with our results here. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think we had a good talk here. Good talk. I hope you guys agree. I hope you guys disagree. I hope you guys tell us why in the comments, comments sections or... of. Our website and absolutely. And where is our website, Josh? If these people wanted to know no more about us or check well, out other episodes, where would they go about? Well, I'm glad you asked. It used to be a very convoluted URL that was hosted through this, which was through this, which is through that. But recently, we have made the uh, the acquisition of our very own domain. So all you have to do is type in www.treeofgeek.com. Probably just treegeek.com these days. Do you even got to put in the W's? Or treegeek.com. Yeah, you could just do that. Or I discovered if you just Google Tree of Geek Podcast, we're at the top. We're at the top? We're yeah. at the top of the tree, the tippy top? Excellent. Well, we were when I searched it. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, uh, we, we do. We strongly encourage you. Please you know, hit up treeofgeek.com. We have a contact us form. Send us your list, your order. Give us your reasons why. We'd love to hear about it. Uh, we will. We'll do our best to reply to you as you know as quick as we can. We're gonna shoot for everybody until we get too big that we can't, and then we'll just we'll hire uh, Bruce Almighty to do it for us with this little automated you know everybody system. 
update, visit us at treeofgeek.com. Hit the Contact Us form, and you can send us your list of your top ten Spider-Man movies, including Venom 1 and 2. We'd love to hear about it. We will absolutely read it. We'll try and get back to you as soon as we can. We will be back in two weeks with another episode. But until then, remember, like, subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do on your podcast streaming platform. We are on all major podcast platforms now. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and of course, treeofgeek.com. You can go and listen to the latest episode or follow that to find the streaming service of your choice. If you Google it, it's Tree of Geek all together. Then we're the number one that pops up. Well, there you go. Keep in mind, as always, we love doing this. We love helping I mean, if you need an outlet, if you don't have a whole lot of people to talk to, you don't got that best friend to chew the fat on about Superman versus Wolverine versus Batman versus Hulk versus Star Trek. And you're like, well, man, maybe I just I just want to listen. We'll be that outlet for you. Absolutely. We'll be here for you to listen. If you need a friend, we'll be your friend. If you like what we're doing and you want more content from us, consider becoming a paid subscriber with us through our website where you can make a small monthly donation ranging from three to ten dollars. Every little bit's gonna help. It will it'll help us cover our, our hosting fees for the website, for the podcast. Don't worry, none of it's gonna go to waste. It'll help us grow. Well thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we greatly appreciate you lending your ears. Hopefully we'll see you again in the next episode. And word of mouth works. Let your friends know what we're doing and we'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs>